Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Friday Weekly Market Update Report, where I go over various different headline articles and provide my insights as to how this relates to the local Bay Area market. Of course, if you like this content, please do let me know by hitting the like button or subscribing if you're watching it on YouTube to my YouTube channel. Greatly appreciate it. And of course, any private notes are greatly welcome. So we got quite a bit to go over today. So let's just jump right into it. Okay. So first and foremost, every every you know every week I get the question related to uh, where are mortgage rates at? Um, is this you know how do I see this moving forward? As you can see, we're very close to all time lows. So right now the average U.S. rate is about uh, 3.24%. I suspect or we're going to be at this level, if not slightly uh, under over the next few months. Nothing too drastic. Right now, just relative to previous years, it's one of the lowest times in, in history. So it's very beneficial for home buyers. And we're going to see some data momentarily of uh, what this means for the real estate market. So mortgage rates, nothing too different here. I, I didn't. I don't see any new additional lenders providing more restrictions. I would actually see certain lenders have actually loosened up restrictions over the over this time, and I suspect that's actually going to continue to move forward. Certain banks are still operating as if nothing happened. So just be wary and just be aware that not all banks are the same. Everyone has their own competitive advantages. And so don't just see one news article related to one bank tightening that, that that's happening across the board. So that's from a mortgage rate perspective. Now, there's some pretty positive good news, uh, po positive news here. LinkedIn data shows U.S. job hiring may have hit bottom in mid-April. We're already in, in mid-May. And the general sentiment is the confidence of most because many companies had did a substantial layoff that majority of companies feel like they've cut deep enough initially that they are ready to be very lean, which is actually very positive for a lot of businesses. I spoke with a lot of, of my clients and friends that work at the companies that had huge layoffs, whether it's Airbnb, Lyft, Uber, and many actually are, are more positive than ever before because they felt a lot of it was bloat. And that's normal for any high growing company like those that had to lay off 10 to now Uber laid off about 25%. But now they feel like they're more lean. They're able to uh, have less just overhead in terms of the process. So I think actually long-term is better for those companies. And you saw the stock uh, jump for many of them. One of the things I didn't remember to point out here is if you look at the stock market, especially a lot of the FANG companies, so Facebook, um, Google, Netflix, they're all doing very well. Some of them are all, have all hit record highs. So in NASDAQ, uh, I believe is very close to uh, all-time highs, I think just 1% or 2% away. So certainly the stock market has fully rebounded for many. And as you can see from a LinkedIn data perspective, now LinkedIn, as you can imagine from a job site perspective, does mostly white-collar roles, which is clearly very... Um, relevant, especially here in the Bay Area. So it's a pretty positive sign that um, 
a lot of companies that stopped hiring are now hiring again and things are, are continuing to pick up. Uh, if you know of anyone that has got laid off that's in a white collar role and there's a particular job uh, posting that I can help refer you into, let me know. Uh, I know a lot of connections and a lot of companies are actively hiring as we speak. Just gotta be no, you just got to know where to look. You just really have to know where to look. So this is very positive news. Now, here's what's extremely exciting. It's related to the home buying demand. So this is uh, Redfin has a, a blog and uh, this data is, is pretty prevalent all across all the data sources I've seen, but it's this keeps it at a very clean level. If you take a look at seasonally adjusted home buyer demand index, look at what happened over the last two months. For a while, it was very grim, but now you look at where we're at just as last as of last week, we are higher than pre-shelter levels. So it's incredible to see this kind of demand. And I personally see it literally today after this uh, recording, I have three separate clients. We're going to go all see, we're going to see houses all over the Bay area. And so the activity has certainly picked up tremendously. Um, and I'll show you the actual raw data of pending and new listings. But as I had mentioned in previous uh, recordings and broadcasts, I think we're just having a delayed spring than anything else. So as you can see, we're higher than pre-shelter levels at this time. So it's going to be a very uh, interesting delayed spring than anything else, especially given the fact that most people can't really travel anywhere. That's one aspect. So um, people don't have to really have that as a concern of, of, of vacation per se. And number two is a huge demand and a huge need for a lot of the individuals living, let's say, in San Francisco or in certain places around San Francisco, and then realize they have more flexibility than before. So they want a bigger space, um, and they're and they're tired of the smaller space that they have right now. And one of the things that's also interesting about the Bay Area is if you think about the density in San Francisco, and you think about the density outside of San Francisco, if people do feel like they want to move out of San Francisco, the infrastructure in place from an inventory level for suburbia, there's no way that we're going to be able to handle that workload, whether it's in Marin County, San Mateo County, Alameda, um, Santa Clara County, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just not enough because they're never designed or built that dense. So it's a really interesting thing to see what happens where if they trade up, you know, trade from a condo in San Francisco, they can easily get a single family house all around the Bay Area. Um, yet the, there's a very, there's very little construction in most areas and even more so there's very little new listings that you'll see momentarily. So it's a very interesting trend and, and a very interesting need given this time that a lot of people are wanting to move for those reasons. So this is uh, quite interesting and it shows just a level of confidence. So if you thought things were grim, they may have been absolutely over the last one or two months. But things have drastically changed and they're going to continue to be that way. I see for the very least the next one or two months. So that's the home buying demand index. Oh, some pretty good news if you're in the South Bay. So Milpitas, San Jose, Berryessa stations look like they are finally going to be open on June 13. So I personally live in Milpitas. And so I hear the train tracks and them running their test runs 
literally all the time during this um, the shelter in place. So it was, the benefit, it was a good opportunity to, for them to be able to do all the different tests uh, at this time when there's very little you know, traffic when it comes to uh, the number of trains in the system. So it's good news for those that live in Milpitas and San Jose that may need to commute to San, San Francisco, but also it's a good option for future homeowners that when things get better uh, from the COVID situation, that the, you know, this is an available option. The key is this is an available option uh, for, for individuals. Well, it's interesting if you look on the map perspective. Now, technically, it's all connected via train or light rail all around the Bay Area. So you have the Cal train on the peninsula side. You have the uh, BART line on the east side of the Bay. And then you have the VTA that does connect uh, to from the Great Mall, as an example, to uh, various different Caltrain stops. So it is all technically connected now by light rail and train. So it's um, it's good to finally see that happening. And so that it looks like it's June 13 is when they will um, when they will be uh, open and available. And they they've the infrastructure was already fully built for a long time. So there's going to be plenty of parking. Um, there's plenty of housing all around. It was just a matter of when they would open since it's been delayed for at least uh, at least a year for when they thought it would be open. All right. So so some big news related to shifts of corporate uh, strategy related to uh, corporate real estate. So last week or the week before, Twitter made the announcement that they would be working. Uh, they have the ability to work indefinitely remotely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the SF campus. And then Facebook yesterday made this announcement that they will permanently shift tens of thousands of jobs to remote work. Now, this will take a long time. So Zuckerberg mentioned that it will likely be a span of 10 years for them to be able to get likely up to half of their employees. And keep in mind, right as of right now, Facebook has 48,000 employees across the globe. So there's a couple of things related to this of how I see this moving forward. As of right now, from my understanding, Facebook employees, only the senior positions, as in senior software engineers, those that are more established, uh, have the ability to work remotely at this time. Now, I do not think um, they can just literally go to Nevada for lower taxes or anything like that. I believe there is some aspect of potentially um, proximity, or if they do do that, Facebook will reduce the pay of workers to less expensive areas. So you want to be careful as uh, this is not on one is it's great, especially from a commute perspective and just um, flexibility perspective, but it doesn't mean you're going to move straight to the Midwest and they still expect Bay Area salary. So something to be very wary of when it comes to this. Now, at the same time, this will take many years. It'll take 10 years for this to happen. And he also, uh, Mark Zuckerberg also mentioned likely younger employees because they like a lot more of the collaboration. Um, that they would be the ones that would definitely want to come into the office. Think about the office. You still have all these perks. You have the, the shuttles. You have unlimited food. You have gym. You have other hospitality there. So a lot of people prefer to actually go into the office. Now, if you have a family, it's different. So it's great for them to be able to accommodate those types of employees, especially as you know the age of the company continues to uh, increase the average age as well. 
for them to be able to attain and ret retain those types of workers. So I think net po is, is, a, is a net positive. Now, the question next is, well, Facebook has a massive campus in Menlo Park. It has, a, it has three buildings for their VR camp site in Burlingame. Those are huge buildings. If you think about it, they're being more active than ever for collaboration and VR, AR. So I suspect that will continue to, to blow up. They also have a very big campus out in the Newark area. Um, so, so they have a lot of campuses still. So the question is, will they shrink that? And what will happen for those space? You also have to know that most of those campuses are all custom built by them. So I do not actually think there's going to be much of a material impact of them removing space. I would say it's just more of a strategy moving forward of the need of additional space, perhaps not as fast, which is a very big difference than them just leaving those campuses or cutting those in half. So that's my thoughts from a corporate real estate strategy perspective of what that's happening. And here's another point. Facebook has a massive new Willow Village proposal project that's happening in Menlo Park. Um, it's still going under reviews with the city that should likely get confirmed sometime next year, mid of next year. So they had made some changes here. They had reduced the amount of corporate real estate space from 1.75 million to 1.25 million. And once it's approved next year, I, I believe they'll probably break around the following year or the year after. So it'll be still several years out. But the fact is, Facebook is still making these huge investments in completely changing an area. And 1.25 million square foot is, is, is massive regardless. So if they were really bearish about the corporate real estate strategy and the corporate real estate space here in the Bay Area, they could have canceled this or asked for even more breaks from the city. But while there's a reduction because of how they feel that the, the use of space will now be used, uh, it's still a massive project that they're still going to be going. So to keep in mind, you know, Facebook is still growing very quickly. They plan to add another 10,000 employees this year. So they'll bring them up to about 58,000 employees across the world. And they're just starting. I mean, there's so many different things that they can explore and get into. I know as of this week, Sheryl Sandberg on CNBC released uh, the statement about the Facebook shop platform to help a lot of the small, medium-sized businesses um, get online uh, easily. So Facebook is a juggernaut. To give you an idea of comparison. They also are about half the revenue, I believe, of of Google Alphabet, but Google has a has 110,000 employees globally. So you can see Facebook employee count wise, and there's Google Home talking there to interrupt. Uh, so there there is you know there's still some significant growth there. So even if ten years down the road they 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 cut their employee count by half in terms of ones that have to go into the office, it's still going to be a huge amount and it will still be a net more than what it is now. So that's the interesting part of Facebook's strategy. It's a long-term strategy. There's a lot of back and forth that will happen. Of course, it'll be fluid related to COVID. So I suspect that's as aggressive as they get, um, but you, you never know. But this is another sign of evidence that they're not just saying, okay, you know what? We don't need any of our space. 
they're still very bullish to make additional space. And keep in mind, this is additional of what they already have that is going to be open. So something to be aware of, and, and I'm still extremely bullish of the Bay Area market for this reason. Proximity still will mean ev everything. Um, and this is another point for that. Okay, so let's look at the data. So every week I like to just pull up the data from the MLS so that you guys can see what is happening from a price perspective, what is happening with an inventory perspective, and then you can also personally see the volume side of what's going on. So we are uh, at this week, 517 to 522. This means tomorrow, uh, basically any activity for later today and tomorrow are not counted here, but at least it gives you a good ballpark figure to see where we're at relative to the previous weeks. Now, friendly reminder for most that are not familiar, May 4th is when occupied houses are able to be shown. So because of that, you see a big tick up of properties that are now able to hit the market and and um, occupied houses. So for example, homeowners are feeling much more comfortable with that. So you saw a big tick that week, the following week, and this is Santa Clara residential. And the week after that had a nice increase too. However, my concern now is, is it all dried up? Is this as much inventory new listings that, that there will be? Because it has slowed down. You expect people to start getting the trend and say, hey, look, you know what? Okay, you know, it was open that week. I feel more confident now. Let's let's keep rising up. Because if you look at the pre-shelter levels, and this is arguably not as hot as usual as the usual spring season, we used to get about 400 prop new listings a week. But now we're we're barely at 300. So you can see still it's about a 25% reduction in terms of new listings that hit the market. So that's something to be aware of. Now, looking at the number of transactions falling through, very little. If you compare week by week, we're basically at near all-time lows. So people are not backing out. People, once they go in contract, are most likely to continue moving forward. So um, very positive of confidence from a buyer perspective. The, the number of offers that are going contingent versus pending, that ratio has certainly changed. So it's getting back into a environment where it's getting more competitive. So you have to strategize with the realtor to say, do you really still need the contingencies right now? You know, what are the risks of having it? So you want to weigh those options now because we're getting very close to the levels, as you can see, of pre-shelter. So uh, it's getting really interesting from the ratio of contingent to pending. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is related to the total number that's contingent and pending. If you look at this figure 294, that means we have more that is going pending in contract than we have new listings. So that inventory level is shrinking and hence why it's been a lot more competitive. So this number would be even higher if I would argue if there was more listings because a lot of people are out there again to find the properties that they like, but there's just not many to choose from. And the ones that sit on the market for a long time sit for a reason whether it's a condition of it or it's not priced fairly. So as you can see from a inventory level perspective, it's very difficult. So of course, if you know of anyone that is even considering to sell, feel free to share this with them. Let me know, I'd love to help them sell. It's very hard to argue a better time than right now, especially if you feel like if you're bearish, 
I mean, there's no better time than right now. There's nothing to argue about. This shows the data, very low inventory. You see on the prices here, prices have risen tremendously in May. Uh, we're basically at we're basically at new highs in, in most cities, in this case, Santa Clara County. So if anyone's considering to sell, we need that inventory. So I'd love to talk to them about that. It's a great time for that, especially if their time horizon is one or two years and they feel uncertain about the future. It's very clear right now. If you can do it right now, it's a, it's a fantastic time. Now, on the buy side, I tell all of my clients, you'll, you'll have to be patient. On one end, be patient. On another end, be ready. So all the paperwork done, all the mental reasons as to why buy, have that clear understanding because you're going to have to go back to that when it comes time to make an offer and go through with the offer. So that's how I'm preparing my clients. If they like it and it checks all their boxes and they're happy with it, um, be ready to act quickly because the last thing you want to do is now live in reg regret that you missed that house and that house doesn't come up, especially with how low inventory is. At the same time, fear not, while the prices have risen, we're not generally in any sort of bidding war. Most houses have one offer, if not a few offers, if it's priced fair. Obviously, if it's priced at a, at a fake, what I call a fake low number, an artificial number to gain attraction, of course, it's going to have a lot of competition because it was never going to sell for that anyways. So don't be ever discouraged with that. When I work with all my clients, we run a we always run a market comps analysis of, and I'll tell you right in the beginning, this is priced fair, this is priced high, this is priced low. So you'll know what you're getting yourself into and the competition that will come from that. So fortunately, for the most part, prices, while they have increased, is not tremendous. And it's not also a uh, a, a crazy multiple bid uh, situation, like I said, unless it was priced artificially low. Now, the one thing that I also wanted to point out for this time, I, I normally only cover one county at a time, but this time I'll cover uh, a little bit of San Mateo County so you can kind of see the difference. So you can see, just kind of take a note, quick note of the weeks. So new listings, you see it actually picked up uh, last week and this week it's still pretty good, um, but it's, it's unfortunately not as high as, as last week. So let's take a look at San Mateo very quickly. Now, San Mateo is even worse, so even more difficult. So if you're looking at San Mateo County, you better be ready to go because look at this inventory level. So that week, it had the biggest spike, basically pre, almost pre-shelter levels, right? Because pre-shelter levels was at 146, and uh, the week of was 142. So you would have thought and would have hoped, especially if you're a buyer in the area, that they would have there would have been more that following week, but it wasn't the case. We actually had a drop, significant drop. And look at this week, very similar. So as you can see across the board, um, for whatever reason, people either don't have the confidence or they just don't want to move. And we're going to have a very tight inventory squeeze. It is the reality of the market. Um, and I suspect this will be you know, around this level moving forward. So that's the latest state of Santa Clara County and how it compares to San Mateo County. Price-wise, Incredible. So this was pulled as of today. Average price. And this thing, this is not just single family in San Mateo County. This is condos and townhomes combined. And the average price is now close to $2 million in San Mateo County. Absolutely incredible. Goes back to the beginning of what I just shared on my thesis, uh, given the proximity to San Francisco and people wanting to trade potentially their condos, which are arguably pretty premium, especially per square foot. 
to a much bigger house uh, out in San Mateo County. So this is the latest updates. If you like it, please be sure to hit that like button. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're uh, interested, please subscribe there. I come out with this video and this detailed analysis every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, a couple of things I wanna point out for uh, upcoming videos on Tuesday, I will do a video of my weekly Tuesday tips. I'm gonna talk about market timing. Can you time and market? And we're gonna look at some previous data back into 2008 in great detail so that we can see, well, let's, let's, let's see how well of a market timer you are, whether it's a stock market or the real estate market and see how you ultimately fare. So there's many thoughts that I have for that. So that'll be on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we have our weekly lunch and learn for the different real estate markets across the country. This time we're gonna have Orange County out of Southern California, along with Austin, Texas. So we'll do a check-in with some of the top realtors out there, see how that's going. Other than that, happy Friday. Have a nice long Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you're staying safe. I don't know where you would travel. Oh, I know. Napa actually has some restaurants that are open. So I you know they're doing 25% uh, op uh, you know, uh, occupancy. So perhaps that's something you can check out here in the Bay area. Other than that, of course, any questions, or if you know of anyone that needs help, please let me know anytime. Have a good one. Bye now. Hey, podcast world. Thank you so much for your support. I do post at least three shows a week. If you like the content, please leave a five-star review, smash that subscribe button and share it with your friends. Looking forward to have you back at the next one. Bye now.